welcome to this presentation of Bethel Family Church. We hope you enjoy listening and that it helps you to grow closer to Jesus. Isn't the picture of our God who is awesome and powerful and, and this, this God of uh, of fire and and smoke and lightning and thunder that we read about in the Bible. Isn't it interesting that we also see this picture of our God as a lamb? And not just a lamb, but a lamb that has been slain. And we see this picture in, in the book of Revelation where we have this contrast between the lion of the tribe of Judah with its, its power and, and its claws and its strength and its teeth and, and all that kind of stuff. I don't know about you, but I kind of, when you kind of conjure up lion, images of lions, that's kind of what you think about, isn't it? You think about strength and, and, and destructive power and I mean, they're, they're predators, aren't they? And then we kind of have this contrast where the, the lion is also the lamb. And this, this image of, of God as, uh, as, as strength, but strength not as in just the power to, not, not as in just power, what we think of power, but strength in a way that lays down its life for us. And just, just as we were worshipping, it's not the message this morning, but just as we were worshipping, I was just really struck with that and just, um, just wanted to share that and, and just to, to, to dwell on that and just enjoying dwelling on that aspect of God's character and His nature. That's, it's the strength and power displayed in sacrifice. And uh, we serve an amazing God of paradoxes and contradictions, seeming contradictions and things that we don't understand. Um, and sometimes it's confusing, isn't it? But uh, He's an amazing God and, and I think if we were able to fully understand who God is, He wouldn't be God. If we could comprehend with our human minds all of God's character and all of who God is, then He wouldn't be uh, the kind of all-powerful and, and infinite God that we know and is worthy of us serving Him, would He? Okay, so we're talking that this is the last week we're going to be sharing on this. We're looking at habits. Um, and I kind of, as a, a little bit of a, a way of introduction this morning, I was kind of, um, as I've been thinking about this, and, and uh, hopefully it's been causing you to, to think about some of the things that you've been doing. And, and we've been talking about how very, uh, a lot of what we do uh, on, each, on any given day is determined not necessarily by conscious choices that we make, but on our habits. Uh, and I started thinking about this um, uh, because I want you to understand that when we encourage you and, and when Scripture encourages us to, uh, to do things, I guess to, to live a God-honoring life, when it encourages us to kind of put away kind of sinful things and to, to put on godly things... There's kind of this contradiction, isn't there? And, and one of the things that I hear a lot of the time is this, you know, am I a sinner or am I a saint? You know, because they seem to be contradictory, don't they? 
We're talking about contradictions and the God of paradoxes. We have Scripture who talks about, describes us as, as saints and, you know, as a royal priesthood and, you know, this, this holy and blameless and pure before God. But we're also kind of encouraged to put aside these kinds of things. So I want to have just, by way of introduction, I want to look at this concept because I want you to understand what we're talking about when we're kind of talking about habits and and changing our habits and why we need to kind of do these things. uh, I want you to understand exactly what I'm talking about because I don't want you to kind of get the idea that I'm saying if we can just get all our bad habits sorted out and we can make sure that we're doing all the right things that somehow that magically makes us good enough and somehow God will be pleased and love us a little bit more and and all that kind of stuff, all right? So uh, here's the, just really quickly, here's the sinner versus saint kind of argument and a couple of scriptures, okay? We have, uh, who's ever read 1 Corinthians? You ever read 1 Corinthians? There is some weird stuff going on in that church, isn't there? And Paul writes to this church at Corinth, he's not writing to non-Christians, he's writing to the church, And you can imagine Paul is writing this letter to the church uh, because he's heard this is a church that he's kind of, he's founded and he had led a whole bunch of people to the Lord and and now there's this group of believers that are there and they're trying to, you know, live this new Christian life and figure out what it all means. But they don't, uh, you know, just because they've accepted Christ as their saviour doesn't mean that everything's suddenly put right in their lives. And they've kind of got all these uh, hang-ups from their old life that Paul is writing to address. And he talks about things like, he starts off by talking about um, divisions. And apparently what was going on in the church at the time where there was this kind of like uh, spiritual one-upmanship that people were kind of discussing and they were going, well, I was baptised by the Apostle Peter, you know, and as if that sort of somehow gave them some status. And others would be like, oh, Paul baptised me. You know, others are like... Ugh. You know, guys, come on, like, I follow Jesus, you know. <laughs> no, no, human, no human leader here, like, I'm the spiritual one. So there was this kind of, like, uh, little, like, who's the more spiritually superior kind of thing going on. And Paul says, don't do that. He says that, that's, like, none of us are worthy of, like, being followers. We're all followers of Jesus together. So he kind of, he starts off with this. But then there's some really crazy stuff that's going on and like Paul has to write to this church this is remember this is to Christians this is to believers this is to the church and he has to tell them guys don't have sex with your stepmother that's bad like duh (laughs) like we listen to that He, he, he goes on he says don't go to prostitutes that's bad like this is, and we kind of look at that and we think, you know, in, in, because we've kind of had this, this benefit of, I guess, of being brought up in uh, a country with essentially a Christian foundation, there's something about, you know, we, we kind of inherently understand those things. But those guys didn't have the advantage of being brought up with a Christian foundation. This was kind of new stuff. And so Paul's having to write and go, this is stuff that belongs to your old life. You know, sexual immorality and divisions. He's, he's like, guys, don't go and sue somebody else in church. You know, go, don't take them to court. Try to sort it out and figure it out between you. You know, so there's all these kind of things. If you ever kind of want to know 
uh, or want to be reminded that Christians aren't perfect, go and read the kinds of things that Paul has to address in the church at Corinth. First John, when John um, writes his uh, epistle, he writes this, he says, If we claim we have no sin, we are only fooling ourselves and not living in the truth. And so there's this kind of, you know, and, and most of us can kind of look at our own lives, if we look at our own lives honestly, and we can go, look, there are areas in my life, as much as I understand that I'm a Christian, as much as I know that I've been forgiven, there are still areas in my life that if God was to be standing here and challenging me on this, I know that I would probably have to admit that it's not God-honoring. That this particular behavior, that this particular aspect of my life is perhaps not where it ought to be. And so there's, I think there's something in us that acknowledges that as much as we've been forgiven, there's still part of our outward behavior, our outward life that still falls short. And yet we're described as saints, aren't we? And, and, and even... Um, you know, so many of Paul's letters, he writes to the, the saints at this town or the saints at that town, talks about, uh, uh, like I said before, priesthood of believers, Second Corinthians chapter 5, verse 17, a familiar verse for a lot of us, it says, anyone who belongs to Christ has become a new person. The old life has gone and a new life has begun. Colossians 2, verse 13 says, you were dead because of your sins and because... Your sinful nature was not yet cut away. Then God made you alive with Christ, for He forgave all our sins. And it kind of makes it sound a little bit like our sinful nature has already been cut away and we should be like, we should be awesome, doesn't it? Not only have we all been forgiven, but you know, that, that sinful, you know, weak, fleshly part of us, that's been cut away. Hebrews 10 verse 12 and, and 14 says, Our high priest, talking about Jesus, offered himself to God as a single sacrifice for sins, good for all time. Then he sat down in the place of honour at God's right hand. For by that one offering, he forever made perfect those who are being made holy. He's talking about you. How often do you look in the mirror and go, There is a perfect specimen of, hum- of a human being. <laughs> Did anybody look in the mirror this morning and describe yourself as perfect? Uh, probably not. <laughs> and yet this is what, this, what Scripture tells us. And we know it's, it's truth because God reveals truths through His Scripture. He doesn't lie in His Word, does He? And so we have this, this kind of paradox where we are both perfect in our standing with God and yet there is something about what we are still working to shed off. And so Scripture is full of these exhortations and encouragements and urging to, to put off the old and to put on the new. Scripture, particularly the, the New Testament, as, as guys like Paul and, and Peter and, and James are kind of writing to the New Testament church, you read those, those letters and, and, and those, uh, kind of the, the teaching that's included in those things and you hear a whole lot of stuff about behavior, don't you? Flee from sexual immorality. Don't live according to the, the, the lusts of the sinful nature and the, the desires of the sinful nature. Don't, 
don't gossip, don't slander, don't you know, speak words that are kind and uplifting and, and build each other up and you know, don't do this and do that. And, and so there's all these kind of practical sort of things because those guys who wrote those letters recognize that we are still working on the outside. The inside work is done. Our spiritual transformation has taken place and we have, like we've been talking about this morning, we've been set free from sin's power over us. The Bible is super clear about that and I want you to understand. Ephesians is a great book to read and there's kind of like six chapters in Ephesians and some bits we know, but the first three chapters, Paul writes to the church at Ephesus and he talks all about our identity in Christ and our standing in Christ and, and he says things like, you know, we are seated with Christ in heavenly places. He says things like, we have been chosen and predestined to be adopted into God's family. That we have been made blameless and perfect. He says we've been blessed with every spiritual blessing. He says we've been sealed with the Holy Spirit. But then in chapter 4... He goes, therefore, you know, it's then I urge you to live worthy of the calling. And so he's saying, here's some things that you need to do that kind of help your outside to reflect the inside. That help your, your life and your behavior and what you kind of outwork in your everyday reflect the identity and the character and the transformation that has taken place in your life because of what Jesus has done. So, we're talking about habits and we've been talking about, you know, things that maybe we need to work on changing in our lives. And that's not to deny the power of God to work in us. And I was thinking about this and, and kind of thinking, you know, what's a good picture or illustration of this? And I thought about the, uh, the nation of Israel when they came out of slavery in Egypt and God had prepared the promise and they were coming into the promised land. Now, God had already decreed and declared that the promised land belonged to the nation of Israel, hadn't he? So in, in, in reality, it was theirs. But they didn't just kind of stroll in and plant their flag and say, here we are, did they? They actually had to go in and take possession of it. They actually had to go in and kick out some of those enemies, didn't they? They actually had to go in and occupy the territory and take that territory that had already been declared as belonging to them. And some of this, I, I think there's some parallels for us in this, that although our freedom and our righteousness and our perfection and our holiness has already been declared, it is a reality, it is there. God has, has given it to us through Jesus, He's won it for us. There's part of us that actually has to go in and claim it and lay hold of it and take possession of it. Yes? All right. So habits. Habits are an interesting thing, aren't they? You know, it's, it's one of the things that we, we talked about this a couple of weeks ago and I've, I've mentioned it a couple of times if you've been following along with this, this um, series the last couple of weeks, but studies have shown that something like 40 to 45% of our everyday is determined by our habits and our routines and things that we don't consciously think about. That is a lot of hours of my day. That is a lot of minutes of my day. And, and I want... See, see here's the thing. 
I want all of my life to glorify God. I don't just want bits of my life to glorify God. I want it all, even when I'm not really thinking about it. Even the things that I do when I'm, uh, I'm not kind of consciously making this big effort and this big deal to be holy or righteous or whatever. I want all of my life to be God-honouring, whether anybody sees it or not. And so I kind of, you know, if I kind of put those two ideas together and go, there's a whole lot of my life that kind of happens because of my habits but I want all of my life to honour God, then I've kind of got to go, all right, well, I've got to look at my habits and go, because that's, that's just kind of part of the reality of, of who we are and, and who God's made us, isn't it? He's, he's made us to kind of operate and function that way. So I've got to go, if, if I want all of my life to glorify God, I've got to make sure that my habits do. I've got to make sure that my habits are God-honouring habits. I've got to make sure that my, the things that I do without thinking... I've built into my life systems where those things are God-honouring. And that's a little bit of, of what we're kind of talking about today. Nobody sets out, we, you know, nobody makes goals to be mediocre, do they? Nobody sets out in life, you know, at the beginning, you know, as, a, as a teenager, as a 19-year-old like my son Hayden here, he's not making goals in his life to set out and go, you know, well, I want to work in a, in a dead-end job and, and be kind of miserable at work every day um, with no passion, with no drive, with no vision, with no purpose, you know, and then at the end of my like, life, look back and, you know, really have nothing left but regrets. Nobody sets out and aims for that, do they? Nobody sets out in life saying, you know, I, I really just want to live, you know, paycheck to paycheck, you know, and struggle financially my whole life. And, you know, every time my, my wife comes home and shows me what she's bought for the kids, it's like, you bought what? And how much did that cost? <laughs> you know, no, nobody kind of sets out to sort of live uh, addicted to things or out of control, you know. And yet there are so many people and even very good, Bible-believing, Jesus-loving Christian people who live in ways that little by little take us in that direction and take us towards that destination. And there are these choices that we make day by day that kind of, you know, little things that we don't even think about, things that seem insignificant, that heading us towards a destination that we don't want to arrive at. We rarely end up at the wrong place in our life because of one bad choice. But it's that kind of, you know, one day at a time, one step at a time, habits that are, you know, maybe not God-honouring or taking us to destinations that we don't want to go. And over a period of time, um, we kind of look back and go, well, how did I get here? How did I get so far away from where I wanted to be? And often, it, very rarely when, when people uh, you know, are in a place where their life is an absolute chaos and a mess, kind of are, are there because of one choice or one moment. It does happen, sometimes it happens, but most of the time it's because of a series of, of small things that led up to that moment. We often kind of uh, summarize those kinds of things. Often, you know, when we talk about those kind of situations in our lives, we, we often summarize that with, you know, like a, a really, like one sentence kind of summary, don't we? 
It's like, oh, you know, that person, they, they, they battled with their weight their whole life and, and died of a heart attack. You know, it wasn't just kind of one moment, but it's kind of summarised in one sentence. You know, it's kind of like, um, well, you know, she cheated on him and, and then they got divorced. Uh, or whatever the case might be. You know, there, there, you, you can imagine there was a whole lot of choices and moments and steps that led up to that, but we summarise it uh, often in, in one kind of simple sentence. And, and we see that a lot in Scripture, because Scripture's really great at kind of summarising and, and condensing, isn't it? Uh, and one of, the, one of the places that we see that in Scripture is uh, in the book of Judges in chapter 16, and it's talking about a guy named Samson. Now, some of you know kind of the, the, the Bible story of Samson or the Sunday school story of Samson. He was a dude who was really strong and he was one of the judges of Israel and sometimes that's about all we know. Uh, <laughs> um, but one of, the, one of the things about... So we kind of see this, uh, this, this verse in Judges 16, verse 1, and it kind of, you know, I guess when we think about Samson, we, who, do, who, who do we associate with Samson? Delilah. All right, we go, here's a guy who was a bit of a womanizer, had a bit of trouble with, you know, uh, and it ended up being his downfall, didn't it? But here's a, a, here's a verse that kind of is, is way before Delilah and, and kind of comes into that. And it's the first verse in Judges 16, it says, One day Samson went to Gaza where he saw a prostitute. That's a really kind of simple statement. But here's a couple of things that you need to know. Gaza was a Philistine city. Philistine, Philistine, I don't know, we could probably divide us into two. I never quite know which is the correct pronunciation, but I was brought up with Philistine, so I'm going with Philistine, okay? And if you have a different opinion, you can keep it to yourself. (laughs) Gaza was a major Philistine stronghold. It was a Philistine city. It was near the coast. It was something like 40 kilometres away from where Samson lived. So he didn't just happen to be, you know, like going for a Sunday afternoon stroll and it's like, oh, you know, hey, I'm in Gaza, you know, just, you know, like the next town over. It was, it was 40 k's away. Now, if you're, if you're a, a man, they say, I, I looked up some statistics on this, um, so that your average step length is around about uh, 0.8 metres. Okay, so 40 kilometres is roughly about 50 thousand steps you know obviously back in we know some things about what life was like in those days we know that they didn't have uber or taxis uh, <laughs> um, and so it's very likely that the main mode of transportation i mean maybe he rode a horse or something we don't know that but um, we're not we're not told that but it's very likely that he walked particularly sort of given different aspects of the story and it was common for people to to walk in those sort of days. So what, we kind of look at that and we think about that and we go, there, there was no reason mentioned for Samson to need to go to a Philistine city. There was no reason given, like there, there wasn't a great purpose that was accomplished by Samson going to Gaza. And so we go, what would motivate a guy to take 50,000 steps, walk 40 kilometres. When was the last time you walked 40 kilometres? I'm pretty happy if I did 10,000 steps, let alone 50,000. I mean, come on. 
uh, I'm sure that Samson didn't wake up that day thinking to himself, I'm going to go and I'm going to make some decisions today that are going to mess up my life forever. I'm, I'm fairly confident in saying that. Scripture doesn't tell me, but I'm, I'm going to go out on a limb and say I'm pretty confident that that wasn't going through Samson's mind when he got up. It says he went to Gaza and there he saw a prostitute. And it's interesting, isn't it, that we kind of get into situations sometimes you think, what would make somebody go all that way just for a, you know, an interlude romantic encounter, if you can call it that, whatever it was. It doesn't sound like there was a whole lot of romance going on, um, a bit of a one-night stand or whatever the situation might be, if you're allowed to say, talk about those things in church, I don't know. Um, <laughs> What, what motivated? And we th- kind of think, you know, Samson, what were you doing? And it makes no sense. And yet, you know, there are people doing exactly the same thing. Maybe not physically taking 50,000 steps to go out of their way to get into trouble, but maybe metaphorically, we, we kind of do those sorts of things all the time, don't we? We don't get into a bad spot all at once. It's one step at a time, one bad habit at a time, one choice at a time. Over the last couple of weeks, we've asked, I've asked you to think about, rather than what you want to accomplish in, in setting goals, who do you want to become? And to set goals that kind of, I guess, uh, are, are kind of from that place of thinking about what kind of person do I want to be? What kind of man do I want to be? What kind of father do I want to be for you? What kind of uh, woman or mother or husband or wife or employee or employer or, you know, what brother or sister or uncle or auntie, what kind of person do you want to be? Or grandparent. And, and then last week we talked about uh, some, some tips and some strategies for starting a new habit, starting a positive habit that will help you to actually move in the right direction, starting from that idea of what kind of person do I want to be, what's one small, accomplishable easy thing that I can do that will start building into a habit that will help me to move in that direction towards becoming that person I want to be. So this week I want to kind of from that same position of who do I want to be, ask you this question, what, based on who you want to become, what habit do you have in your life that you need to break? What is, what is one, and, and just focus on one, I'm sure that if you're anything like me, you could probably come up with a whole list, but just like we did with the, the starting one thing and not 27 things, we want to start with uh, one habit to break. Because if you're anything like me, I want to fix everything and so I end up fixing nothing. You know, when I start going, I want to exercise, I start with trying to run 5Ks and not with trying to walk 1K. You know, I set these lofty goals and, and it ends in failure 99% of the time when I do that. So I'm trying to not do that and I'm I'm learning some of these great tips as we go along and and as we're sharing some of this stuff together. But what is one habit that you need to break? Maybe it's a habit that is ungodly, maybe it's just a habit that is unhelpful. It may not necessarily, you know, be a, a horrible, terrible sin, like sometimes it's just a weakness or something that's unhealthy for our body or you know, unhealthy for our minds or unhealthy for our family life or, or our marriage and our relationship or our mental health. Whatever it is, 
What's one habit that you need to break because it's not taking you to becoming the person that you want to be? Look at uh, James, this next scripture, James 1 verse 21. It says, so get rid of every filthy habit and all wicked conduct. Submit to God and accept the word that he plants in your hearts which is able to save you. We acknowledge the power of God at work in us when it comes to changing our behavior, when it comes to trying to start something new or, or to break a bad habit. You know, this is, this is so important to allow God's Word to speak into us. So how do we break bad habits? Some of, some of us here, we've, we've tried before, haven't we? There's things that we know aren't good for us and we've tried to stop and sometimes maybe in some areas we've succeeded and other areas we've struggled and it's been hard and we've ended up giving up. I want to give you a couple of tips and, and stuff to, to help us to be successful in breaking the one bad habit maybe that God's helping you to identify and, and address in your life. The first step is to acknowledge it, to name it, to identify it. You know, whatever it is, you, you can't defeat what you can't define. We need to understand what it is. We need to acknowledge it to ourselves. We need to be honest with ourselves, don't we, sometimes? If we're, if we're busy saying, oh, it's not a problem, it's, you know, it's not an issue, I don't need to worry about dealing with that, then, then we're not going to overcome it. We're not going to defeat it when we're too busy saying it's not a problem, are we? If we're making excuses for it, we're not addressing it. We're not working on it. We're ignoring it. Whatever that habit might be for you, we need to acknowledge it. Maybe it's a, a, an attitude kind of thing that we need. Maybe we have that, that habit of uh, being critical. Maybe it's a, a complaining heart. Maybe it's a, a gossiping kind of tongue or, you know, there's all kinds of attitude sort of things that it can be maybe it's a uh, a digital thing maybe it's the social media you know scroll scroll like scroll scroll you know click you know whatever um how many hours a day do we waste on social media um our, our mobile phone or you know whatever it might be binge watching tv or netflix or you know whatever it is kind of maybe it's a substance kind of thing whether it's a uh a prescription medication or whether it's a sugar or alcohol or, you know, Shiano. <laughs> That's a hard one to break, trust me. <laughs> um, one, of the, one of the areas where I've been challenged and, I, and I, I've been kind of putting myself in the same situation um, and, and thinking about this and, and one that I'm um, working on for me at the moment is cutting down my, my screen time on my phone. And I've discovered that um, uh, Apple a little while ago started telling me how much time uh, I spend on my phone. I know it's a, it's a little bit uh, confronting at times to be given an actual figure of how many hours and minutes you've spent on your device. And uh, so I've discovered this neat little thing where you can set time limits for each day or like either categories of apps. So you can go like, I'm only going to you know, limit my social media time to this amount of time per day or, you know, games or whatever it might be, different things on your phone. So I'm kind of doing that. And it's kind of really funny because uh, do you know when it is that I get my, my screen time report about how much time I've spent on my phone? Sunday morning. 
<laughs> Isn't that kind of amusing? <laughs> and I think, all right, fine. <laughs> I give in. <laughs> but the thing, about, the thing about good habits is that they're usually a lot more difficult to start than bad habits, aren't they? Have you ever noticed that? It seems like it's really easy to start bad habits. And, and, and let, me, let me tell you one of the, the reasons why I think that is. Good habits are usually more difficult to get started and don't pay off until quite a long way down the track. You know, think about exercising. It is not easy to, to make time in your day to put in the effort to exercise. And usually you don't see results for quite some time. Usually it'll be like, you know, this discipline of day in and day out and, you know, and it'll be like, you know, seven or eight, nine months down the track before you really start noticing significant results. Um, you know, having, having a good habit of, of going to church, you know, or every week or as, as often as you're, you're able to. You know, it's, that requires kind of a, a sacrifice, you know, you've got to get up and get ready and you've got to, you know, wrangle the kids and make sure they're... It's so much easier now, they kind of get themselves ready, which is awesome, but I remember when they were little and it wasn't easy to get ready for church on Sunday morning, you know, uh, and you kind of, you know, when you, you know, you've got to, you've, got to, you've got to get them up and you've got to get them clean and you've got to get them fed and you've got to get them dressed and, you know, and they're not always cooperative, <laughs> Uh, and, and it's not easy and it's a sacrifice and, and you've got to be diligent about doing this and often you don't see the rewards and the benefits of that straight away. I remember what it's like. I remember the days of coming home after church and thinking, I do not remember a single thing that happened. I spent my whole time wrangling my kids through the service and I feel like that was a, a complete waste of time. Some of you parents, like you, you're nodding and you know what I'm talking about. But let me tell you that that discipline of going to church and putting in that effort is going to pay off for you and it's going to pay off for your family in the long run. All right, so that's the thing with good habits are usually more difficult to get started and the payoff is usually down the track. Whereas bad habits, um, there's an immediate kind of almost benefit, if you like, a perceived benefit. It's easy to get started because there's, a, there's almost like an instant gratification and the negative results are usually down the track. The, the, the negatives are usually kind of come later. You know, I can, I can eat a donut today and I have that immediate pleasure of that sugar in my system and the, you know, that flavour dancing over my taste buds. Um, you know, gluten-free donut, obviously. Um, <laughs> yeah, they do taste a little bit like cardboard, but, um, you know, it's still better than no donut, all right? <laughs> and, and I could do that, and I could have a donut every day, and I would have that immediate uh, pleasure, because um, that's, that's often the, the thing about uh, sin, isn't it? There's kind of like this immediate pleasure. Uh, have you noticed that? If you haven't, you're probably doing it wrong. <laughs> but the, the problem is that, like, you know, uh, there, there's kind of negative things that happen down the track. 
and that there are negative kind of things that begin to show up in my life and, and just like eating that donut where, you know, today and tomorrow and, and next week and the week after, I might not really look in the mirror and go, wow, you stacked it on. But in nine months' time, if I'm eating the donuts every day, I'm going to look at that and go, why don't my pants fit anymore? <laughs> And suddenly I'm at the doctor's and he's telling me I've got type 2 diabetes. So the bad habits are kind of the opposite. There's this kind of immediate benefit but negative consequences uh, or results down the track. So how do, we, how do we break a bad habit? Now, we talked about last week with starting a good habit. Does anybody remember there was a, a couple of points we suggested, I, I suggested that you do to make a good habit? Does anyone remember? Yep. Start with prayer, make it small, yep, and make it easy, all right? We, we, I, I encourage you, like, like, learn from my mistakes, all right? And probably you've done this before as well, but don't set yourself some huge insurmountable goal that you're going to like, you know, read your Bible for three hours every day and then spend two hours after that in prayer because you have to get up at 2 a.m. You know, start with reading one Bible verse. Make it something that's easy. Start with, you know, five push-ups or, you know, don't start with like, you know, an hour and a half session at the gym. Start with small and accomplishable. And so just, so we kind of do the opposite, all right? When we're looking at stopping something, we want to make it difficult. If you want to stop yourself from doing something, make it as hard as you can to do that thing. Because the reality is, if you're anything like me, I've only got so much willpower. There's only so many times I can look at that donut and not eat it. (laughs) And Solomon talks about uh, tempting things like this in, in Proverbs. Proverbs is great for wisdom. Look at this verse in Proverbs chapter 4. It says, Do not set foot on the path of the wicked or walk in the way of evildoers. Avoid it. Do not travel on it. Turn from it and go on your way. So like four different times there in that second verse, he says, get away from it. See this? This is the line, right? And I don't want to cross this line. What is the best way that I can guarantee that I will not cross that line? Often, this is often what we do. We set ourselves a line, we a lot, you know, draw the line in the sand, and we say, I'm not going to cross that line. That's over there, that's what I'm not going to do. But this is what we often do, isn't it? And we want to get as close to that thing as we possibly can. But we go, I'm not going to do that, but I want to get as near to it as I can, you know. And what happens eventually, you know, the odds are that we accidentally overbalance. If I don't want to cross that line, the best way to make sure I don't ever do it is I come over here. There's no way I'm going to accidentally cross that line, is there? And this is exactly what Solomon says. He says, avoid it. Don't travel that path. Turn away from it and go on your way. Walk away. All right, that's my illustration. Last week, we talked about the, the habit loop. Do you remember the habit loop? Uh, I've got it here again for you to have a look at. We've got triggers, things that trigger uh, responses, automatic responses, and we've got the the action, what we do when we um, experience that trigger, and the reward, the thing that kind of, you know, reinforces that, and it goes around. But what we want to do is we want to look at taking away the triggers, 
want to avoid those kind of things that trigger that particular behavior or that particular action or that particular response. If we can take out the trigger, we can interrupt the action and kind of get in the way of that thing that we sort of do automatically or out of habit. And there are five kind of major kind of when they they've sort of done some studies and surveys and looked at things that trigger negative habits or bad habits and they're kind of they can kind of group them into five sort of main areas. And so it's important to kind of keep an eye on on these triggers. The first one is place. You know, there, there are certain places where we're more likely to do certain behaviours or certain places where we're less likely. If our goal is to try to uh, establish sort of healthy eating patterns and to break this kind of habit of overeating, you know what I found? I don't go to the gym anymore, but I, I was for a while and I found that I would very rarely ever overeat when I'm at the gym. Isn't that interesting? Don't you find that fascinating? You're not surprised, I can tell. But if I'm at a restaurant, now I don't know if you're, if you're, most of you are probably old enough to remember the Pizza Hut when they had the all-you-can-eat dessert bar. Mmm, yeah. <laughs> it was like two ninety five for all the soft serve and whatever you could eat. That sounds pretty good, doesn't it? Yeah. Back in the days when Pizza Hut used to actually have dining restaurants, um, and that used to often be our youth group, like Sunday night hangout, we'd go hang out at Pizza Hut because it was like cheap as, three bucks and, you know, all the ice cream you want. I'm far more likely to overeat at a restaurant where there's like all-you-can-eat buffet or all-you-can-eat dessert or something like that. So place is an interesting. You're probably, you know, if you're trying to, if you've got an issue with alcohol, you know, you're not very likely to, to find uh, that you're tempted to drink too much when you're at church. That's shocking, isn't it? Yeah, those communion cups are so little. <laughs> so, you know, but, but maybe if you're at the pub on a Friday night, there's an area where you're far more likely to kind of, you know, with a, with a few friends and, you know, having a few drinks and, and a bit of a, you know, dance or party or whatever people do at pubs. You know, you're far more likely, if that's an area of temptation for you, that is a place where you're more likely to be tempted in that area. So that can be a tri- place can be a trigger. Time can be a trigger. There are certain things that you're more likely to do. Um, you know, if, if looking at pornography on the internet or something is an issue, that is often something that is far more likely to happen at night time, um, when, you, when you're alone or, you know, bored or, you know, you, you're not going to do that um, on uh, Thursday when you're at Life Group. You know, it's kind of... So th- there are times when we're more uh, susceptible or, or, or can, that can be triggers for us. Uh, mood can be something. Like we can be... Uh, I, I don't know if you're... Uh, this, is, this is one, like for us as parents, when we're tired, we're far more likely to... I know you're all studiously taking notes and writing them down as I say them anyway, so, yep, awesome. Uh, mood can, can be a trigger. I'm far more likely to yell at my kids when I'm tired and hungry than when I'm not. Isn't that right? Yeah. Don't have to nod quite so enthusiastically. <laughs> And they're more likely to sass back and talk to me when they're tired and grumpy and haven't had a proper night's sleep. Isn't that right? Yeah. That's right. <laughs> so 
So mood can be a thing, whether it's, you know, when you're hungry, whether it's when you're, you're angry or when you're, you're, you're lonely or, you know, sometimes mood can be a trigger for certain behaviours. Uh, moment can be a trigger. You know, there are certain events or certain things that happen um, you know, after you've had a, a fight with your husband, maybe you, you ring up some of your, your, your girlfriends and you, you talk badly about men in general or, you know, have a man bashing session or what, I don't know what you do. <laughs> you know, it's guys who, you know, maybe it's like if it's the, the alcohol thing, for example, you know, being at the footy, you know, or the, the footy game or whatever, that can be a time when, you know, everyone's having a few drinks and, you know, at the end of a footy game or, or after work or, you know, maybe it's, you know, like when something happens, like, you know, getting yelled at by your boss and there are certain things that, that then becomes a trigger that you do. And the last one, number five, is people. This can be an interesting one. You know, stu- there are studies that have shown that the closer you are to someone the more likely you are to imitate their habits. There's one particular study, and they tracked uh, thousands of people over a long period of time, 30 plus years, and they found that your chance of becoming uh, significantly overweight or obese increases by 57% if you have a friend who is also obese. But also on the, on the flip side, um, if you have a friend who loses weight, then you're also far more likely, uh, almost a third more likely to also lose weight. Friends that I used to know people who had, you know, were, were great Christian people, but they had friends who loved to go camping on the weekends and they'd get the caravans and they'd go out bush, um, you know, on a regular basis and they'd all hang out together. But if you have friends who love to go camping on the weekend instead of going to church, it's going to draw you away from going to church. You're going to kind of be uh, brought into that and it's going to make it harder for you uh, to be disciplined. It's going to make you more likely to kind of skip church and go camping. But we don't really need studies to show us this because even though, you know, the Bible's been talking about this for thousands of years right proverbs 13 verse 20 says walk with the wise and become wise associate with fools and get in trouble old solomon doesn't pull too many punches does he tells us straight it is almost impossible to live the life live the right life with the wrong friends now it doesn't mean that we shouldn't be friends with all kinds of people we're supposed to be salt and light in our community. We're supposed to be people who, you know, share God's love. And, you know, we, we can have friendships with our next door neighbours who don't know Jesus and aren't living the right way. But it's really important that we are careful about who we allow to be, you know, to get close to us. Who we allow to be influence. Uh, influencing our lives, who we spend time with, because the people who get closest to us, we're most likely to to imitate or reflect some of those behaviours and habits of those people. And the Apostle Paul in 1 Corinthians 15, he says, don't be misled, bad company corrupts good character. So the people that we hang out with can be triggers for habits and struggles of our own. 
So, so we want to look at coming back to this, um, the habit loop, taking away the triggers. One of the things, now, most of you would know, and as you're, kind of, as you're processing this and thinking about this as we're talking about it, it's not possible to remove all of the triggers from our life, is it? Not possible to remove everything that might kind of uh, prompt us to fall back into that, that bad habit. But one of the other things that we can do is we can make it as difficult for ourselves to actually follow through as possible. You know, maybe it's the, uh, you know, if, if you're a person who has a tendency to oversleep and you've been, you know, wanting to be more diligent about getting up, you know, whether it's just to start your day or, you know, to, to get up a few minutes earlier to, to read your Bible or pray or whatever the case might be, um, you know, and, and you have a tendency to kind of hit the, the snooze on your, your alarm clock or your phone and just, you know, just a few minutes more won't hurt and, you know, then half an hour later and suddenly you're running late again. You know, maybe what you need to do is get your phone and put it further away from the bed. <laughs> Not right next to the bed, <laughs> but like on the other side of the room. So you can't turn it off without getting up and out of bed. And I know that you guys, like if this is an issue for you, this is not a guarantee. Like there, <laughs> there are still going to be days when you go, oh, I'm just going to get back into bed now. <laughs> but it helps, all right? And half the battle is, is that first step. Maybe for you, if it's an overeating thing or a snack thing or eating those donuts, do you know what? I, I would probably eat uh, far less of some of that kind of snack and junk food if it was. If I actually had to get up and go to the shop and buy it when I wanted to eat that, I would eat it far less often. You know, that chocolate, when you've got chocolate in the cupboard, it just calls to you, doesn't it? It's like, oh, it's, it's there and it's easy. I just feel like a bit of that right now. It'll just be one square or two or three, you know, and then the block's gone and, you know. So, you know, make it more difficult. Don't have stuff in the cupboard all the time. You know, whatever it might be for you, think about a way. How can I make this more difficult uh, for me to actually act when I, when I get one of those triggers, when I get one of those cravings or urges or whatever for this habit. We think about our habits and, and there's kind of so many things and, and maybe you, you're kind of thinking about some of these things and, and often like I do and you kind of think, well, you know, is it really that bad? Is it really that big a deal? It's just a little thing. But one of the things you know, that, that is really important for us to think about is, is where is this habit going to lead me in the future? And maybe if we stop and we actually project this forward, you know, maybe 10 or 15 or 20 years into the future, um, depending on how many you think you've got left maybe, uh, but, <laughs> but projecting this habit forward and going, you know, where do I think this is taking me? You know, I think one of the things that, that we might find when we play forward some of our, our negative habits, you know, 20, 25 years, is that we might kind of be able to picture ourselves in a situation kind of where we say, I never knew that it was going to cost me this much. I never knew that, that that one little thing that seemed so insignificant at the time would have such serious consequences, would derail my life the way that it has. I had no idea how much this was going to affect my family. I had no idea how much this habit was going to uh, affect my marriage, my relationship. And if I could do it over, 
I would do it differently. Sometimes in, in those moments when we're kind of faced with stuff and stuff gets hard, doesn't it? There's, there's times when it's going to be hard and you, you're going to take a step, you know, there's a step backwards, we're going to fall off the wagon or, you know, mess up or you know, whatever might be the case. And it's easy in those moments to give up and go, I'm, I'm not strong enough. I don't have what it takes to beat this thing. But here's the good news. With Christ, we do. Because Christ in me is stronger than the wrong desires that are in me. Christ in me is, is stronger than those, the, the, the weaknesses and, and the failings and the shortcomings that I'm still wrestling with and dealing with my life. Samson ended up in a place that probably a lot of us would prefer to avoid. But, you know, and we kind of look at that and we, we talked about that 50,000 steps that it took him to get there. You know, but it's not only 50,000 steps in that direction. It was also 50,000 opportunities to turn around and go the other way. And just because we, we recognize maybe in our life that we've started on a path towards something that we don't, a destination that we don't want to end up at, doesn't mean that we can't make a choice today to turn around and change that trajectory of our life. To start moving towards the person that I want to become. I shared this verse with you last week, Zechariah 4 verse 10. It says, don't despise these small beginnings. Sometimes it just seems like some of these things seem so small and insignificant. Zechariah says, don't despise these small beginnings, for the Lord rejoices to see the work begin. Every step we take in the right direction is leading us towards that day when, you know, suddenly we wake up and because Christ in me is stronger than my weaknesses and because, yes, I might have, you know, there might be a few steps that I've taken on different days that weren't quite in the right direction, you know, backward steps, but majority I've been getting up and choosing uh, and with God's help I've been moving in the right direction and suddenly we wake up, you know, and we, we go, you know, because of Christ in me, I'm a, a devil-kicking overcoming, God-honoring, prayer warrior person living out this life that is God-honoring. I want to encourage you, what's the, what's the thing that you need to start and what's the thing that you need to stop in order to get to where God wants you to be? But maybe you are here today and you know we've been talking about stopping things. Maybe today you're a person who... You know, you've, you've been to church, you, you know the stories, uh, but you've never really made a, a serious decision to live for Jesus, uh, a life that is fully committed to Jesus. Maybe today, what you need to stop is making excuses. Maybe today, uh, it's time to stop putting it off. When you understand you know, we come to that place where we understand how much Jesus loves you and how much He's done for you and how much He still wants to do in your life because of how much He loves you. And the only reasonable thing is to say yes to Him. Say yes to giving Him your whole life. We've, we've all sinned. 
We've, we've all made mistakes. We've, we've all fallen short. But Jesus, the innocent and blameless one, died in our place. And if we will surrender to him and give him our life, he takes away all our sin and makes us right with God. He makes us his sons and his daughters. And if that's you this morning, I want to challenge you today. Maybe it's time to stop making excuses, to stop putting it off, to stop saying, yeah, maybe one day I will or, you know. I'd love to, to chat with you after the service if that's you. Eli, would you come up and, and music team, would you come up and, and prepare? We're just going to sing a song as we close this morning. I'm just going to pray in a minute. But I want to pray for us as we're facing these challenges of living in God-honoring ways. But if that's you this morning and you want to make that decision today to, uh, to stop putting it off and to say, yep, I'm ready, I'm going to take that step of fully committing my life to Jesus, I want to talk to you after the service today and, and encourage you, just, just come and find me and just let me know. And even if I'm talking to someone else, um, please interrupt me because I'd really love to chat with you about that. Okay, let me pray. Father, we thank you for your word today. Lord, we know that the, the, it can be so hard at times to, to change behaviours that are, that are ingrained and maybe have been part of our life for a long time. But Lord, we thank you that you have set us free from the power of sin in our life and that with your help, we can make changes. We can break the power of habits. Lord, that is, you give us wisdom, you give us understanding as you lead us by your Spirit. We pray that you would help us to take steps today to start moving towards the person that we want to become, the person that honors you. With you in my life, I can do it. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Thanks for listening to today's message. For more information or to listen to other podcasts, head to our website at bethelcrc.org.au or check out Bethel Family Church on Facebook.